Do you ever find yourself getting continually frustrated with this digital evolving world that we live in right now, particularly social media? Where to start? What we need to do? What are our responsibilities as a modern pharmacy business owner? Well, let's all take a nice deep breath. We've got the digital delusion author, Doyle Bueller, joining us today to dispel all of the myths and clear up all the confusion for our digital pharmacy worlds. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours. And we're all the way through to episode 62, coming to you live today from CBIT 2015. And of course, I'm back in Sydney for the day. And I'll have more for you on the next wave of business technology to share my experiences today with you next week. But I have the pleasure of uh, doubling our eyes and our ears in looking for the next big business technology trends, having my father, Joe, with me, which of course is a pharmacist as well. Big show today. We've got time for a check-in with you. I've got a massive rant that I have to get off my chest Listener feedback, which is absolutely fantastic. I know you're going to love that. And also a big announcement as well. And then we'll get into our chat with the digital delusion author, Doyle Bueller, which will leave you feeling calm, confident. And when taking a look at our constantly digital world, it will make a massive difference for you. I know you're going to love it. So how's your week been? I know that there's a lot going on in the industry right now. What we can control, what we can't control. Largely, we can't. And um, I've been writing my editorial for the next issue of the Transformation magazine, which is coming out in the middle of June, Um, which, of course, if you'd love to be the first person or first group of people to get hold of that, uh, make sure you visit transformationmagazine.com.au. I'll put the link in the show notes at robertstar.com forward slash episode 62. But I chose to actually focus on what we can control. And I get into a little bit of a rant because having traveled through and visited at least two dozen pharmacies in the last week, I think we can all up our game when it comes to mapping our customer's journey to create a better pharmacy experience. I visited a local pharmacy and it was more for my wife because she was actually unwell this week and I had to... uh, pick up a packet of Sudafed for her, which is a fantastic product, probably underutilized because of all the compliance, but this is where the problem starts and that pharmacy will remain nameless, um, who's completely dehumanized the entire process. Now, I know we always battle with pseudoephedrine sales in our businesses and how we handle that, but I didn't identify myself as a pharmacist deliberately. Um, And really, the pharmacist just gave me compliance-only questions, compliance-only advice, and asked for my driver's license quite abruptly without really being telling me what it was actually going to be used for, which, of course, as we all know, generally results in a record being taken, a label, and also an entry into project stop. But I guess none of that was explained to me. And then finally, if that wasn't enough, 
getting the packet get delivered to me in a locked plastic box to take to the register. They may as well have said to me, put the cuffs on, we'll escort you to the exit because we think you're dodgy. No wonder we struggle to be recognised as trusted, helpful advisors. I'll refer you back to episode 42 with Ivan Frangie on building a better customer experience because it all comes back to we can utilize technology to create better higher touch and higher tech and so forth, but it comes back to that fact that Ivan brought up for us is, is our business any good? Now, I dare say this business, they may be doing great other things in their business, but that would have left me, and it did, leave me never wanting to come back there again. And of course, it was in episode 53 with Brian Walker about creating a remarkable experience by mapping the entire journey, both from digital into the physical store. And the digital, we're really going to zero in today as to what you can do in that space. And it works quite well. But we need to be obviously working out how we can do it for the right reasons. And it I honestly think that this encounter for me is a perfect example of how technology could have humanized the process. That's right, I did say technology could humanize the process. Because look, obviously the disclaimer is that that pharmacist needed to have a better culture and a demeanor, and that may have come from the group that they are part of, but a computer or a tablet to have with them at the dispensary counter rather than having to go up the two and a half foot step and away from me to do whatever they were doing without telling me, which immediately breaks obviously a level of trust. They could have had that. Um, they could have been helpful in asking questions and showing an intent to listen rather than looking at me as the way of what was, a, I guess, a block between another 10 prescriptions sitting in the dispensary, but actually showing a concern, wanting to listen and so forth. And then perhaps if they didn't have time to take me up to the register or better yet, have the register installed on that computer that was with them at the counter and process the sale there if they wanted to, or if I had other concerns and I wanted to continue the conversation, that they could potentially have handed me over to another helpful staff member or stayed with me until the end until the end of uh, my problems being solved. That would have been fantastic, but clearly it just didn't work out for them. But you know, you can so easily see how we could lose an entire customer. It could be one of our best customers just purely by not focusing on the needs of the customer and really creating a very dehumanized process, which in my mind would be no better than any other corporate retailer in the world. So we need to get better at that. There's my rant. There's my punch. I hope you will all do better in your businesses to be able to deal with that a little bit better. So last week I was up in Sydney, I was visiting motivated pharmacy owners just like you, and I also got an update on LinkedIn as well, which I thought I would just share a few tidbits with you because it was nice to get an update directly from them. Um, but it's no longer a nice thing to have. I know that a lot of us, and I know I'm connected with probably a lot of you on LinkedIn within the pharmacy industry and our communities, but it's no longer a nice thing to have. It's something that every 21st century pharmacy business owner must have because the benefits include your recruitment, you're able to research potential candidates that are in your area with particular expertise, 
you're able to profile and, and access and communicate with potential customers, particularly if your pharmacy is the, in the central business district, district of your city. You get industry updates, updates tailored to your interests, supplier information, and also some personal development, which is always great for being able to, I guess, bump up our skills in, I guess, productivity, just general good pick-me-up motivation. Really, really good. And if you don't yet have your own pharmacy and you're a pharmacist, well, that's even more of a reason to be using it because there's no need to be utilizing a resume in 2015. That is what your LinkedIn profile does. It is live, it is visible to anyone who wants to look it up and it showcases you to the world as this is your live resume in 2015. And if you really, really want a resume still, there are great plugins that are free that will auto-generate a resume based on your LinkedIn information as well, even if you wanted to impress the next person you go for a job with, and uh, that may not be a bad tip for anyone who's not currently in pharmacy ownership listening today, is that you might actually want to create a personal website based on your LinkedIn account. And I can post some links in the show notes of some tools you can utilize to plug in there. So, so many great things about LinkedIn. I might even dedicate a future episode or a masterclass to this in the future. Let me know if you'd like it. And uh, of course, as with everything on this show, it'll come your way. And that is how this episode evolved around getting someone like Doyle in response to some great listener questions that we spoke about last week. Got some great feedback from uh, Andrew in Victoria. Um, it was actually via Zopim chat. So if you've been on robertstar.com and you've seen that little message bubble that sits on the bottom left-hand corner um, that says send me a message or on the smartphone you might just see the word message, um, you can just shoot me a, a, a question anytime you're listening to the Transformation Show. If you've got a thought, a feedback, or even a bit about a, a question. And Andrew's question was that... Um, I saw the podcast that was about Office 365, but I can't find it. There doesn't seem to be any search function around, um, and I can't find it on the site. If I could search 365, I'm sure it would come up, or any other topic for that matter, that I could search for that's of particular interest to me. Fantastic, Andrew. I have updated the site. I've put a search bubble in there, so if you go into any of the robertstar.com pages, particularly this one, robertstar.com forward slash episode 62, you can now search the entire site for something that may be of interest to you as well. Andrew did also go on to ask that, um, was it possible to actually get uh, the transformation show downloaded so that he didn't have to stream it from his phone or if he didn't have an iPhone that he couldn't download it through the podcast app. And I'm actually looking to get some USB sticks made up, uh, particularly for our first year. Um, And also the functionality I've been told, and this will be all on demand, uh, is that you can actually build your own one if you choose. So if there's only certain episodes you'd like to get a USB copy of, uh, you'll be able to do that as well. So if you're interested, just email me at roberts at robertstar.com and I can tell you all about it, um, but it will be on the site in the not too distant future as well. Because remember, I designed this show for you guys, the motivated pharmacy owners, so you decide how you'd like to send feedback through, how you'd like to listen to the show, and it's my job to make it happen for you. 
So it was also some great feedback I got in the last fortnight as well, um, particularly in these discovery sessions, which no doubt, if you've been a long-time listener of the show, you would have heard me talk about the Pharmacy Freedom Index. And I've decided to update and upgrade the discovery session format just based on a lot of feedback around um, how we utilize that 90 minutes. It's always 90 minutes of action, but some pharmacists didn't do the Pharmacy Freedom Index before our session. We had to run through it, um, and it really probably took up most of the first half, and it gave us only 45 minutes to map out their strategic plan of how they're going to attack 2015 and 16. Um, so what we're going to do now is what you can do is you can do the Pharmacy Freedom Index probably at least a week before and also shoot through anything you'd like to know, anything of any areas of interest, any particular areas you'd like to know a little bit more about. And what you get for that is a strategy session and a personalized update on all the technology that is relevant and can improve your business and for no extra charge. So if we can manage our time that way, we can get the report in early I can give you a lot more value in those sessions as well. And I know that you're all going to love that as well. There's never been a better time to be tuning into the Transformation Show. So if you enjoy tuning in each week, I would be most appreciative if you could share a link to the show, which is transformationshow.com.au with a colleague who you know would enjoy it as much as you do. Anyway, enough from me. Doyle is going to blow your mind today, and I must say, he's going to calm everyone down when it comes to digital. We sometimes get a little bit frustrated about the evolving nature, new networks coming up. He talks about why we don't have to be everywhere, why we need to work out exactly what is right for our business, and gives us some great tips of how to get started. I know you're going to love it. Our interview today is with Doyle Bueller. He's the author of the book, Digital Delusion. And his official, or should I say unofficial title, is Senior Smarty Pants at the Digital Delusion, where he connects digital for online leaders. Doyle Bueller, welcome to the Transformation Show. Thanks, Robert. Happy to be here. I oh, look fantastic and certainly not to be confused with Ferris for our listeners. So no, you. no. He's, he's a couple decades ago, but... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Doyle. Look, it's a pleasure to have you on today and, uh, you know, it's fantastic to follow, I guess, your digital le- leadership and uh, I know that a lot of our listeners today are very early stages in their digital journeys in their pharmacies and I know they're going to take a lot of, a lot of way and a lot of value from uh, our discussion today. Excellent. So, before we get started, a lot of our guests always like to tell their backstory and our listeners enjoy it. Um, so I guess, how did you get involved in digital and um, you know, why do you believe that digital is such a pivotal area for modern businesses to be embracing? Um, well, I got my start in digital back in 2003 type thing. Actually, maybe go back another decade. I started to develop some of my own websites back in like 95, 96 during uni. Um, didn't really, I was on an aerospace engineering track, so obviously a different career back then. Um, but I kind of got intrigued by that and sort of started to build a business back in 2001, 2002, a, a startup, an e-commerce startup. And we quickly decided it was originally designed as a retail type business, a retail franchise in shopping centers and that sort of thing. And uh, what came to be is that, look, we realized that, look, if we really want to grow and scale this business and get in contact with customers out there, potential customers who you know aren't 
going to the shopping center, aren't going to the stores and that sort of thing, that online digital was the way to go. So in about 2003, 2004, we started to build basically an online uh, designer suite, a graphic designer. You, you probably see a lot of those nowadays or you do see a lot of those nowadays. And that's kind of what we did was build that as sort of the engine for our e-commerce store, which was building these customized um, uh, vinyl stickers for for. Uh, laptops and cell phones and mobile devices and that sort of thing. So, um, and we really de- decided to kind of go for it, and we spent a ton of a money, tons of money, like about two hundred fifty thousand dollars back in two thousand and four uh, to build this very robust website. And and honestly, it was it was a beautiful thing, right? It could do this, and it, you could design pictures and add pictures and add text, and it would output to the the manufacturing system and then ship it automatically. And it was just gorgeous, right? But the problem was was that nothing was really connected. Um, there was no social media was just kind of getting started. Uh, there was SEO was still getting started as well, but there was nothing really to connect the website. So we had this this wonderful investment, this wonderful tool, but nothing really was able to to kind of pull it all together. And that's kind of when I went on this adventure, basically, to to see well, how you know what's missing from this. And then when I came to Australia about four years ago. Um, started to see other businesses suffering with this same problem. It's like, well, what, you know, how do I connect my website? Why aren't people coming to visit me? Um, you know, what about this social media uh, and all that kind of stuff? So the importance is, is immense, right? I mean, you asked about that in terms of, you know, why why digital, why online? And it's kind of like, it's not just a, a simple flippant answer, why not? It's, it's really if you want to be able to connect with your audience on their mobile devices, on their iPads when they're sitting down, you know, watching television, you know, when they're surfing the net, you know, when they're at your store as well, right? You kind of want to connect this whole ecosystem together. And that's sort of been my mission since then. Yeah, no, look, it, and it keeps evolving, doesn't it? And that, you know, we, we would have all started with very basic websites, but I guess the extension of digital just keeps evolving every day. It's only the last few weeks we've seen that massive explosion of uh, um, video streaming via Twitter through Periscope and Meerkat, which never existed before. But I guess those types of new social media channels are good other ways to drive th- things back to your website as well. Yeah, well, that that's where your audience is, and that and that's the uh, one of the key messages is is you have to find out where your audience is. You don't have to necessarily follow all the little tools and sites that come up and disappear very quickly. But you know what? If your audience is there, then that has to be investigated. How are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? That sort of thing. So. And it's always a very interesting um, question that I get a lot from uh, pharmacists and also owners as well that, you know, we always, we always start to think, well, you know, will our patients be on Facebook? And I guess we quite often always see the stats behind the growing demographic of the, I guess, our elder statesmen jumping onto Facebook and, uh, you know, finding new ways of connecting with their grandkids and with their families through sharing photos and all sorts of different ways. And, um, you know, I guess for fight from our point of view we've gotten out a new place to have a have a conversation oh absolutely and and that's the thing is that that's where your audience is right or you have to again find where your audience is to have that conversation because if you want to sort of build your store beyond just sort of the door um that that's where they are right and you have to connect to them 
on their on their terms right it's no longer just about coming down uh parking in the parking lot and walking in it's it's like what do you offer what knowledge are you providing up front to say that hey i'm a better um a better shop a better pharmacist than the one down the road yeah, no, look, absolutely. And I guess, you know, when we look at different areas to market our businesses, which is something that we always talk about as that conversation that you have when the patients aren't in the pharmacy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, in the past that the eyeballs and everyone's attention was on TV, radio, you know, even billboards. And it's not to say those mediums aren't useful anymore, but the amount of time people are spending on mobile devices now, and you might be able to share with our listeners, um, I guess, some of the changing trends that, you, that you're seeing. But, um, you know, the amount of time people are spending on social media and on their mobile devices has increased astronomically. Oh, it's, it's huge. And uh, I, I think, I'm not sure of the specific stats, but there's, there's more phones out there than there are PCs. Um, basically, or laptops, or however you want to phrase it, right? So it's really a matter of that's where your audience is connecting. Um, I think three, almost two thirds of the the hits from Facebook now are coming from mobile devices, right? Because that's people take their phones with them. I mean, um, one thing is is I, I think it's like ninety percent of people are within you know one meter of their phone twenty four hours a day. Right, it doesn't leave their body, or it's it's right beside their night table, right? So you you have to connect on mobile as well. Yeah, and, and I, I, I guess that's why um, Apple have seen the watch as a way to bridge that one meter gap that it can <laughs> you can get you can get to a matter of millimeters now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's nonstop; it's touching you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, for sure. Yeah, and, and certainly, you know, for a lot of our listeners, we're in early stages of embracing digital and you know for the majority of our, my colleagues I've seen you know Facebook pages go up websites with contact information um, but it's always been viewed as really just an add-on to the business and uh, you know as I guess the major focus of our of our chat today was about connecting it all together um, you know where would be the best place for pharmacists and you know let alone business owners because we are all small business owners to I guess start to I guess look at it as a cohesive business strategy rather than something that's siloed and um, you know disconnected from the current business yeah well that's that's really sort of the the crux of of how I kind of help businesses as well it's helping them integrate that because the industry really it, it has it, it's unfortunate but that's sort of the way it evolved um, because we you know originally it was just a website and then it was uh, well Google came along and and you have to rank as your website so you know you have all these search engine optimization uh, aspects and then social came along Right, and so you have to be on LinkedIn and Facebook and Pinterest and Tumblr and Vine and Snapchat and all of those, right? So again, they're catering to that specific, basically silo, um, and you have all those other elements as well. And then you've got like the content side of thing. It's like, well, how does that fit together? And oh, I need, I need, like, is do I need an about us page or a contact us page? Which, which is another story unto itself. But it, it's really about combining all these different elements and and honestly today's business leader they've got a ton of these things to worry about they've got the mobile site right um they've got you know seo to worry about they've got their website to worry about they've got uh social media um 
what else? Um, advertising, pay per click, you know, all these different elements. And I've, I've produced a graph, and and that might be something that you might I could pass on to you, Rob. Is to it shows you all the different aspects of of what it is that a business owner is expected to know about digital. And honestly, it, it's overwhelming, right? Even for somebody who's been in the industry for what what is it, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years, kind of thing. Myself, yeah. um, it is. There's a lot of stuff out there, and it's it's about how do you actually take all these silos and break them down and, and create a platform um, based upon your core strategy, right? Based upon your core message, um, based upon how it is that you're building your community, right? And it's it's no longer acceptable. It's no longer useful just to have a Facebook page or just to have a website. Um, it's got to be connected. And I don't mean technically connected. I mean, you know, connected from the uh, the aspect of what information are you providing, where are you providing it, how are you doing it, you know, all this kind of stuff. Are you pushing people from your website to your store and from your store back to your social channels? And, you know, are you producing good content that people are interested in? Uh, that sort of thing. So it's a, it's a huge ask, right? And then that's it. It always comes back to the, you know, the original uh, guess, context that you want to put it in. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about mapping our patients and customer experience um, so that, you know, I guess this un- makes it easy to understand where these new platforms can fit in. Um, and, you know, in the past, you know, even if we go all the way back to the, you know, some of the grassroots of pharmacy in the 1800s um, with compounding pharmacies and the 1900s, even in the US through drug stores and having those social media fountains, or I call them a social media fountain, but the soda fountain, which really was the social media um, of that age in that communities would come together and talk about what was topical. So it's not something that is foreign to us, but it's really a case of okay, we want to be able to be seen as our community's hub and a place where we can coordinate the best primary healthcare experience possible. How do we put ourselves in a position where we're not just communicating that to people walk through the door, but also people that are surrounding us and may not know what we do and how we can help them? Yeah, exactly. You're, you're building that experience, right? That that knowledge base that that it, well that people want to know who you are, right? Um, they really want to connect with the person. Not, I mean, the business is part of it as well, and that that's a, a huge topic unto itself. But they want to know, you know, what is it in it for me, right? Like we're all kind of on that bender. Yeah. It's it's like I need to know what do you have that you know I can't get from the other guy type thing, and and what's in it for me. There, people are being um, very personal and being selfish, if you want to call it that too. But there's a point, right? It's because we're we're inundated with all this information. So the key takeaway is is you know yeah, how do you build that community? And it's not just something. I mean, the anal- analogy is great in terms of okay, it's it's the water cooler of the 21st century, but it's it really seems to be so much more because that community can be very helpful and can be a lot bigger as opposed to, you know, just two, two, three people type thing. You can get in touch with people and, and whether you're a local business, um, there's, there's still people within your community that have no idea who you are. Right. I mean, how many times have you done a, a a Google map search on your phone looking for, you know, a store in your neighborhood and, and you had no idea it was there. Yeah. Right. It, it happens all the time. And, and that's typical with, you know, coffee shops and, and with pharmacies and, and, you know, other sort of little gift shops and those kinds of things. It's like, you don't know that they're there. 
And until you actually create that awareness and that knowledge that, oh, yeah, by the way, this is my community pharmacy. I didn't know that. You know, okay, well, so what's what's in it for me? How how are you going to help me with my ailment at the middle of the night or, you know, the next morning or... You know, how are you going to educate me to, to, to live a little bit healthier or, you know, to, to help me not just a, a stopping point to pick up the script from the doctor, right? Yeah. And it's, inter- and it's interesting because, you know, one of the biggest challenges that we're facing in pharmacy at the moment is, uh, I guess, the, the inability to stand out um, and that when you visit a pharmacy, uh, save for Chemist Warehouse, who are known for being number one on price, there isn't a distinguishing element about that pharmacy as soon as you see it. Um, they may have some very special services and some really remarkable experiences you can have there, but it's often not ever shouted from the treetops and very well known to the external community. So there are some great stories in our pharmacies at the moment that aren't being told. Um, and, you know, and the way I see it is that, you know, they're not, a lot of pharmacists, particularly independent pharmacy owners who are listening today, um, are looking for that point of difference. And we often think about what we're really good at, professional services, and really developing those treatment outcomes and solutions that are really tailored to our communities. But the voice to get it out there has been, uh, you know, very, very hard to be able to be seen and provide value beyond price to our patients. So I guess that it's a massive, it's a massive challenge. But, you know, like you say, there's a, there's a good platform to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it comes from education too, right? Like, why do I have this ailment? You know, can I talk with somebody? Can I learn more about it? You know, and, and obviously with, with pharmacy, it, it is a little bit private too, because you don't necessarily want everybody knowing that you've got this particular ailment or whatever. Um, but but still, you can focus on educating people. And that's that's where a lot of the the, the big brands are being successful is because they're educating people and it, you don't have, it doesn't mean you have to spend, you know, $500,000 on advertising a month or whatever, right? It comes simple. And that's, that's really the, really the crux of what we do online is, is you don't have to have the big dollars to be able to build a strong community online, right? You don't have to have the budget as the, the, the chemist warehouse or whatever, right? You can do this organically. You can help uh, with with some paid posts, but but really it comes back to the content that you're producing, right? If you can produce valuable ideas, you know about how to treat this or how to do this, and and that that's really the again the the crux of it is educating your audience. How do you educate them? How do you tell them about the the latest? Um, a treatment or this different medication that might work a bit better or you know those kinds of things because pharmacists i mean these these are really smart people right yeah. um they they're helping people overcome some some of their their um their pains their, their physical pains type things so get get look at educating your audience in terms of how do you actually use this what can you become a niche advisor to uh to them as well yeah, and, and it's always about, you know, trying to co-create as well and not, you know, looking, you know, we always talk about the future of pharmacy moving away from the transactional aspects of it where it's just simply a product supply and very basic compliance-led advice upon to the point where we do have patients coming into us, you know, printing things out or hopefully not just hopefully seeing it on their smartphone. Um, it's showing us information that they've gathered on Google and they want to 
understand the context of what that means for them <laughs> yeah and yeah and us becoming those trusted advisors and i guess that can be said for a lot of different service-based professions at the moment in that it is a, a shifting to a wisdom economy away from that and you know you need to have a obviously a voice for it so i guess i guess for our listeners doyle um where would you say like you know it's obviously very different for each demographic and for them to understand where their customers are spending the most amount of time to find the right platforms but i guess if someone was just about to you know take their head out of the sand and start on their digital journey um i guess what would be the you know the the first few things that you know you'd advise them to establish um well what i would say is don't worry don't start with um worrying about your website or worrying about should i be on facebook or whatever right everything that you do needs to sort of draw back to what is your digital strategy right what value are you providing to your audience Um, and you have to define that value and and it can be different it can be that like you mentioned the the educating people the wisdom economy whatever the case may be uh, or a specific niche um, whatever the case may be but you have to sort of outline that you know what what are you about because remember I talked earlier about you know what's in it for me so what we really have to do is kind of match that statement with, you know, what are you about? What value are you going to deliver? Um, and without a strong strategy up front, you can that, and that's that's actually what I see is is that ninety nine percent of businesses don't have a strategy, so they're kind of going all over the place. They're setting up a Facebook page, but they really have no idea of what should I be talking about, or they set up a website, but it's just kind of like a brochure page, you know, those kinds of things. So. Take a step back and and look at okay, what value are you delivering? Why why are you in business, right? And and look at some of those fundamental issues that sort of help you define that value that you need to be offering. Um, the next step is is take a look at once you've sort of created a, a strategy and look. There's you can go. I can talk for hours on that, but I know I'd probably bore some people. But once you at least have an understanding of the why, then you take a look at the content, right? The the what is it that you're going to be delivering? So, again, don't worry about social. Don't worry about the website yet. Get your fundamentals up and running, and then you can sort of worry about how to put everything else together. So, again, take a look at your content. And I don't mean just talking about a blog, right? I mean all your different ways of communicating with your audience. Could you, you know, produce videos of of you uh, educating people about a certain script or a certain treatment or a certain procedure or something like that, right? Um, Could you do that as a podcast, right? Which is a fantastic idea. Uh, Can you do that in visuals, right? Can you have a step-by-step guide? Can you provide a checklist, you know, of of things that you should look at when you are, you know, self-diagnosing from Google? (laughs) Um, Because you might want to you might want to double check with a professional. Um, you know, so so the content is absolutely everything that you can imagine to be able to help you communicate that why with your audience. And that's that's the the biggest step of that. Um, and then from there, now you can start to look at, okay, well, where's my audience, right? Where are they located? And I'm looking at a statistic right now, like um, the age demographic for, you know, I would say uh, for Facebook, 22% is are in the uh, 24 to 30 category, right? So you've got like uh, 60% of your business is within, sorry, I'm just trying to read this graphic here, um, between 24 and uh, 56, right? So you got 60% of your market. So this would tell me that, look, a lot of your 
your customers, your potential audiences there. So now you can kind of start because, again, step number three is, okay, let's look at your community. Where are they? What are they doing? You know, what what fun do they have? What experiences are they looking for? What are their interests? What are they? How are they trying to educate themselves? Um, and then you can continue on with that. Like take a look at the the website, right? So what is it that you actually need now to communicate with your audience? Ninety um, percent of websites have like a contact us page, but guess what? Why? I mean, I don't know. I don't fill out a contact us page very often, right? And I don't feel that I'm very much different uh, from the other people out there. So you have to take a look at, okay, well, what's on your website? How are you using that website to connect with your audience, right? To provide this level of training, to provide this what's in it for me, right? So do they want education? Do they want entertainment? Do they want, you know, just a quick answer, right? So with your website, you can then guide them to that with with something a little bit more elaborate than a, a contact us. And this is where you'd probably provide like a gift, right? A, a checklist or a, um, you know, a guidebook on a certain type of treatment or a certain plan or a certain type of uh, pharmaceutical or that sort of thing. So you can help them, right? Because that, that's what they come to you for. They come to you for answers about pharmacy right about prescriptions and about all that sort of ancillary support space yeah so if you can provide that education then you're you're much further ahead than the other guy look absolutely and and i guess it's just about changing the mindset as well we've been so wound up into price sensitivity that i think you know most pharmacies have been guilty of just posting content relating to pricing of certain items on their facebook pages as opposed to you know the real reason why someone may need a product or a service from the pharmacy so going a little bit further back as to what they're actually looking to achieve from an outcome point of view and that's often sometimes the thing that does get missed, um, and I'm sure a lot of our a lot of our listeners will be thinking, well, you know, I can do all of this helpful content. It's going to take a lot of time, and you know, there, there might be some context you can frame about that. But I guess what the ultimate thing that comes down to it, because as we're seeing in pharmacy, particularly in Australia at the moment, where the majority of most pharmacies' income has come from pharmaceutical benefits scheme prescriptions, and that is uh, coming down at a rapid rate at the moment. So the key theme at the moment is how do we do more with less? So I guess it's probably a pretty tough question to answer very quickly, but you know, why would someone want to engage in this, I guess, from a return on investment point of view, when they might be thinking, well, I've just lost $60,000 from my dispensary, is is doing digital going to replace all of that in my business yeah well no that that's a really good question rob i mean the there is no magic answer there is no overnight solution there is no secret formula so i'll kind of get that out of the way uh, for digital right it takes it takes a lot of work and i think that's where a lot of businesses are missing the point is that they feel that oh i'm just got to put up a facebook page i just have to put up a a website with my address and some details about pharmaceuticals kind of thing and people are i'm way to go right that is so much that's well it's one, actually one of my digital delusions um that i've sort of created in developing this this whole um or helping entrepreneurs with their platforms and that sort of thing. Um, but but the fact is is that the way that pharmacies are losing money is because they are only focusing on that cash, right? And the return on investment doesn't come, it comes from the cash, right? I mean, let's be perfectly honest. But um, 
if I can break that down quickly for you, it's sure. like three three percent of of sales online are like immediate, right? People are ready to buy. They'll go to your shop. They'll buy something online if if you have like an on- online e commerce ordering system or whatever the case may be. Three percent, right? Which is tiny, tiny, tiny. But we all focus this. Uh, we all focus on this small segment of of what we believe to be the holy grail, and it's not, right? We've got thirty percent of of that audience base that they'll never be your customer for whatever reason. They're too old, too young, um, don't like you, whatever the case may be. Uh, so, but you're left with this huge portion in the middle, this sixty seven percent that will eventually lead to a sale, and that's where most businesses miss out on this: is that they think that if they're not ready to buy, like we believe, we've been led to believe that everybody is our customer online, and that's again false. So we've got this sixty-seven percent of people who can potentially buy from us. They're just not going to buy from us today, right? So if you can move them along that path, if you can educate them, if you can, um, uh, if you can inform them, if you can provide them information, if you can help them along their personal journey, again, what's in it for me, right? If you can help them with that problem, help them with that pain, they will buy from you. So if you put that in perspective, I said at the beginning, you know, 3% is sort of what people will buy from you on on that sort of instant gratification side. If you could double that, you know, you've just, you know, doubled your return on investment. If you could triple that, you know, 9% out of that 67% that are willing and able to buy, again, it's not going to happen overnight, takes time. But if you could guide that person to that purchase, you've just tripled your return on investment without doing much other than providing good content, providing, answering that question, what's in it for me? So it sounds really like we need to develop a bit of patience um, and uh, and that it's not going to be, you know, an instant fix. And unfortunately, I think a lot of us are looking at the moment as what is that magic bullet, the instant fix. But it sounds more to me that, you know, it's in, in the sustainable strategy of where the business is going to be perhaps in, you know, a year or two or five years time rather than, you know, something yeah. that you're going to instantly get a, a return on. Well, it may not be that long, but but we kind of have gotten the instant fix from the emergence of social media, like from the emergence of Facebook, right? That was supposedly an instant fix, but it's not. And then there's, you know, search engine optimization and a lot of pharmacists spend an awful lot of money on SEO, right? Yeah. The problem is, is that it's not an it's it's how it's sold as an overnight success story but it's not it really fundamentally comes back down to again that message of what are you delivering what value are you delivering and it doesn't matter how much you spend on seo every month if you spend a thousand dollars or fifty thousand or or ten right all they're really doing is basing it upon that content that you're producing and if you're not producing that content at the beginning answering that question What's in it for me, the customer? It it doesn't matter. That's that's there is no instant fix, right? Yeah, and and SEO that's something we probably haven't st- touched on very much on on our show so far. And just very quickly, um, it's is would you would you agree that it's more or less what you do with your content and website to allow Google to find you, um, or I guess has been well known in the past. You pay someone to, I guess, scatter your your things everywhere so that Google <laughs> can can find you. Yeah. Well, look, there, there's there's two sides to this. I mean, there is sort of the the technical side of SEO, search engine optimization, where where it, look, there is some value in it. And I'm not, not saying it's value less. I'm just saying that if you tie that with 
you know, proper content and proper distribution and, and good storytelling, right? Um, that is, in fact, your SEO. So, but again, it's being sold and, and a lot of people are buying into the hype that, oh yeah, if I just SEO my website, you know, I'm going to have a million customers tomorrow type thing. Again, it doesn't work. So the fundamental exercise is what are you producing? You know, what's in it for me? So if you're producing good content, if you're writing a, a blog, if you're producing videos and explaining the videos, um, you know, if you're doing other things, creating eBooks and checklists, and again, educating your customer for what's in it for me, that is SEO in itself, right? So do you need that SEO guy? Well, possibly, probably not. For some of the technical stuff, yes, um, it, it can be helpful. But Honestly, with the website, the ease of use of a lot of website platforms, they really kind of walk you through that too. They tell you, okay, insert some text here, insert, you know, 150 words here or 150 characters there. Explain what you what this post is about. So it's really SEO has become a lot clearer. Um, and again, it's just about how do you how do you talk? How do you distribute your content? And, and I guess Google's getting smarter with that too in that they can recognize what is helpful content and what just simply is a, a blatant, um, you know, ad or something that's, you know, placed there only to, you know, tap on a particular thought that that's part of a previous algorithm. And I guess as we're now seeing as well coming up to, I think it's the 21st of April, um, you know, they're also putting it into the context of what devices we're using to access it and, you know, now mobile-friendly devices will be the only sorry mobile friendly sites will be the only ones that Google gives preference to yeah exactly so that that's look Google is smart and, and there's been this whole sort of black hat SEO and where companies and people have been trying to outsmart Google and it's like why don't you spend your time on something more useful <laughs> kind of thing because look the fact is is you've got a billion dollar couple billion dollars hundred billion dollar enterprise that's getting smarter and smarter in terms of how do they actually develop ranking right and you're not going to outsmart them so the best way is really go back create some good content you know start to get your name out there start to share stuff in your community and other communities get to be known you know on linkedin and in groups you know whatever again your focus is um and that's what builds relevance and that's what Google sees. And, and absolutely, like, yeah, like today's or next week is the day when uh, if you don't have a mobile responsive site, uh, you could possibly, they haven't said they'll penalize, but what they have said is that they will, you know, not rank you as high if you don't have a mobile responsive site. So basically a site that, you know, works on an iPad or works on an, uh, uh, it automatically sizes to, to basically the size of your device. So if you don't have that, it's going to... Um, affect where you, where you rank and again you know being number 1 on Google in my mind it's it's only part of the story it's not the full story really people need to get to know you on a on a more sort of fundamental community basis and if they don't it doesn't matter where you rank on Google and um just as a note too like a lot of the and you know again it's it's how the industry has developed it's it's sort of no fault other than the industry itself but you know, there's the people who are selling SEO and there's really no value attached to it because they're not actually doing sort of the, the fundamental back end of developing good content. And with this new sort of algorithm change that Google's putting in place for mobile responsive sites, I've actually seen emails from 
from peep from developers, website developers who are saying, "Oh, well, look, if you don't have your website done, mobile responsive, you're going to drop all your ranking, and Google's not going to index you, and all this crap." And it's like so many businesses out there; they're trying to just scare you to spend money on digital. And it's like, no, there's no reason why you have to do that, right? Yeah. It's like find out the facts, and that's kind of my mission: is let's educate people, let's create some some knowledge that hey, everybody can use this. Look, it's not that hard, right? Um, you just kind of have to understand the nuances and 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 get to know what what you need to know and and utilize it as a as a part of your day to day business. Uh, look, absolutely, and you know, and and one thing we always look at when we're talking about helpful content, and you know, we spoke to the likes of uh, Jason Berwick Lewis on the show last year, and more more notably Tim Reid about helpful content and probably more so um you know the fact that it's the responsibility more so of the business owner uh because no one knows their business better than they do and you know quite often the whole concept of this add-on strategy of digital has meant that someone other than the person who understands the business just as well wasn't looking at digital as creating an extension or an enhancement of their in-store experience which in some cases is remarkable but unfortunately the digital has been a a poor reflection of what the customer can receive in the pharmacy. Um, So uh, as you say, like creating that content and and storytelling, um, you know, that can be simply things that are happening in the pharmacy right now, but, you know, I guess the wider community may not be aware of and are not recognizing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then that's key is like, look, you got to pull up your socks, right? Um, digital is here to stay. And if you don't use it, you're not building your community and, and your business, you know, potentially can die. And I'm not saying that to scare people. I'm saying that, that that's the brutal reality, right? Is if you don't build that community, there is no reason for people to go visit you because as you know, as your audience shifts as well, they're they're completely digital, right? People know they carry their devices with them all the time, that sort of thing. So it's a matter of yeah, building that strong community. Yeah. And I always recommend like look, as as a business owner, you need to spend at least, you know, 20% of your time on digital, right? Whether it's enhancing your website, whether it's creating new content, whether it's, you know, building your digital strategy, whether it's, you know, uh being on Facebook. And and I don't mean that this is like as you as the 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 pharmacist business owner type thing that you have to do this. I'm saying that you as the the leader in your business has to assign that, right? You have to get that job done, give it to, you know, a, a manager or whatever the case may be, right? Because look, you're running your business, but that's the thing that a lot of businesses forget is that it's like they don't need to be doing all this stuff because it's it's but they have to sort of be accomplishing it as a as a business as a whole. So get people in there to to provide that because, like I said, look if you can increase your your buy rate from that three percent to the six percent, look you're, you that's that's your return on investment right there. Yep. And some of our listeners are a little further along, and I know coming up from one of our previous um, Transformation Tribe webinars, one of the questions that come out of how do we get around the problems that are associated, particularly Facebook was the platform we were talking about in terms of you know, but not being able to promote content. And it may be very helpful and valuable content that's linked to a website that sells prescription medicines. Um, so I guess you know, very, very quick, quickly, Doyle, and I know you could probably 
give a very extensive answer to it. But what would be the best ways, I guess, to, I guess, really not so much beat the system, but ultimately be able to allow those platforms and Google to recognise helpful content in a pharmacy context uh, without it being associated with, you know, I guess the more untoward reasons why people are on there at the moment selling, you know, counterfeit prescription medicines and all sorts of other things that just get blacklisted straight yeah. away. Weight loss pills and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's a that's a really good question, Rob. Um, I mean, look, if if you sort of uh, again, the commerce side of it is huge, and again, that depends if you are that type of business that that resells online. Um, I would suggest you know creating sort of um, focus less on that sale, right? Because again, people aren't going to buy you've got that three percent that will buy right but again that's pretty small uh, compared to what can buy so so take a look at maybe shifting less to the actual promotion less to the sale and more to you know the education side of things so when they do a search on a, a on a specific ailment you can then they they will find you through your content um, or through the community itself uh, and then you can continue to educate them so I mean uh, honestly you could trick the system right by sending them to you know uh, sending if you want content then send them to a one page uh, and if you want to sell them product then you send them to another page so they're not actually connected um, that's sort of a, a technicality in terms of what you could do but again going back to why are you doing this is it just to get that prescription or is it to get that person as a customer who buys multiple prescriptions over the the life of them being in your community right well, I guess as we said, you know, about getting that education journey started and I guess, you know, nurturing that relationship in an early phase to really under allow customers to understand what we're all about and what we can do for them. Um, and, you know, often, you know, the, 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 the thought had been, well, do we need to maintain two separate presence online in that if we are going to have an e-commerce platform, do we need to have a separate website altogether that, you know, deals with this helpful content because you know areas like Facebook may penalize us purely because we do have a you know prescription sales element to those original sites yeah well no that that's a really good point look I, I've done some some campaigns with you know some of the big vitamin providers um, in here in Australia a couple of them actually and it, it's not so much that they're selling product but it, it's and again, Google has some some rules too. It's like you have this product has to be, you know, uh, certified or whatever the exact terminology is. So you can advertise for certain types of prescriptions, but it has to be very very clear, you know, what it is that you're saying and how you're saying it and all that. Otherwise, you know, that creeps into the sort of the legalities of it. Um, so I mean, just just again, if you can take a step back and say okay well yes my goal is sales right i need to i need to feed my family i need to do this and i need to you know grow my business or whatever the case may be but if you take a step back and say okay well is that the ultimate goal okay well how do we get there right it's again are you going to fixate on that one prescription or are you going to sort of build a a, a story are you going to tell them help them along their journey um, to get to that solution as well, and look, if you can have a customer for one-offs, great. You know, but what if you could do that on an ongoing basis from a, a community perspective? Yeah, 
You know, it, it is it is, it is very much about looking at the the overall journey and the specific example that um, one of our colleagues had referenced was where they were promoting why someone would need a flu vaccine. Okay. Um, and obviously, talking about obviously the problems of not vaccinating and uh, you know obviously um, you know why people should always look at that as something routine in March and because the site had education around the flu vaccine, but it was linked to an area that could also get people to book in or buy their flu vaccine online, um, Facebook took it down immediately. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know the specific circumstances surrounding that, yeah. but that actually sounds quite interesting. Um, I don't know what Facebook's requirements are for advertising a prescription medication or, or medical-type supplies, but... Um, it's really interesting. In that case, I mean, honestly, in that case, I would just suggest splitting them, right? So it's not so much having one site that sells the stuff, but it's having an alternate site. Basically, what what you would call a microsite that says, okay, look, if I'm going to sell products, I'm going to send them to this. If I'm going to educate them, I'll send them to this site. And look, yes, there is that connection, right? Um but uh, it's it's not it doesn't have to be so glaringly obvious and and really what once they get onto that educational site that that informational site it doesn't they Facebook has no real right to say well you can't push them to the next link right yeah and so that would be something like um, you know blog.xyzpharmacy.com like a subdomain or something yeah. like that yeah exactly so it can it can do that too and, and the other thing too is that look um, and a thing that a lot of people are using more and more is, is that email side of things and people say well email is dead and the fact is, is it's not right and and that's really how you can grow your audience and grow your sales and grow your community so then you don't have to advertise for a specific um, flu shot or whatever because again you're communicating with email um, you're collecting their email address after you know they've downloaded a checklist or, or something like that so then you can communicate on your own terms really is what it comes down to because if that case in point like if you rely on facebook exclusively guess what <laughs> if facebook says no you can't do that well guess what you're out of business potentially yeah right and that's why i, I always say you know facebook is a tool it's not a strategy not at all right you have to be able to be nimble and, and build your platform across everything right across your website across you know some sales funnels across um your social community as well and and that's 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 key if you don't have that basically you're you're bending to the rules of facebook so well i guess that's the reason why you know the website is so important that it is that um you know as uh as we refer to it's the place that you own and what you can control um and you know quite often social media you know should be viewed as almost like a party that you might attend and uh <laughs> and one day you know the rules of get you getting into that party may change and you're not allowed to be in there so yeah exactly it's, so. it's not something that you want to try and set up your business on someone else's uh land basically yeah, basically. So look, look, it has its purpose, but at the end of the day, Facebook doesn't really care uh, if you go out of business, right? Plain and simple. So you have to sort of put in place a, a platform, an ecosystem that connects everything. Otherwise, you potentially can. If Facebook says they don't like your website or your Facebook page, rather, they can shut it down, right? If they say they don't like your advertisements, well, guess what? They can shut you down. Yeah. But and if, if, if you're distributed across everywhere, it's, it's, it's just not going to happen. 
And are there any really good examples? We always love looking outside our industry to, I guess, see what we can learn from some industries and businesses that have gone a fair way ahead of where we are right now. And are there any businesses or industries that you could reference that are really nailing, you know, having that digital ecosystem where they are connected across all of these platforms that our listeners may have already done business with inadvertently? Um, yeah, look, I mean, although it, it is an emerging type market, one of the, the better examples that, that, that's pretty similar to, to a pharmacy would be like cafes and restaurants. Um, they've got a really good social, some of them, and again, you know, I, I'll take a segment out and say, okay, these guys are doing it well. There are others that are not doing it as well. Um, but the ones that are doing it well are really connecting, not just having an online menu, right? Because again, nobody cares about that. Um, but having a very strong community of, of people leaving ratings and people, you know, leaving comments as part of this community and sharing photos and uh, checking in, right? Um, at the specific uh, cafe or restaurant and moving people not just from again, from online to offline, but from offline to online. So they've kind of connected the dots. So when you're in store, you know, they can get a discount if they, uh, you know, check in uh, to that specific store, uh, if they do a specific action as well, right? So that's really what you're looking at is is how do they connect that and again not not all cafes and restaurants or bars do this but the ones that do they you can see it right on their location they're educating you they're providing good stuff they're providing events and and that sort of thing and if you go online they're doing the same um and it, it's it's very quite cohesive and and you can see that as well yeah, and I guess it's maybe just referencing the fact that, you know, we've, I guess, been through all of these different stages where there's been uh, multi-channel, cross-channel, omni-channel, but maybe it's just about this is the way business run right now. And, in the, you know, the channel is that, uh, you know, as we had um, Brian Walker, the retail doctor, on a few episodes back, um, that, you know, you're a 24-7 business now. and yeah. And that your your customers want to access you when it choose when they choose rather than you know fixed opening hours locations that um, yeah. you know have formed the past of you know what retail used to be about yeah exactly and and move away from the single transaction right um if you're going to have single transactions then your your business is not going to survive and the way to grow those multiple transactions is through community right Absolutely. And, and and that's, you know, I guess something that, you know, is really very close to our soul as pharmacists in that we have always traditionally had close personal relationships. You know, the, even the older style pharmacies, there would be pharmacies out there right now who know every single family member multiple generations back. Um, and, you know, that's obviously in a, an in-person relationship. But I guess, you know, now that we've got digital, um, it's not just inviting the pharmacist to have a chat to you when they're physically in front of you, but that pharmacy may be part of your digital community as well. Yeah, because because look, when when somebody's sick at at you know twelve a.m., where will they go? They'll go online, and if they can connect what you're doing um, to what they're looking for, um, guess what? They've become a customer. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, you know, digital's got so much potential and everything changes around the landscape that we're in. Um, new platforms come up, new social networks, they come and they go. But I, I guess, you know, one question I always love asking, and if you take away time and resources of any business, uh, let alone a pharmacy, you know, what, what would you love to see um, happen in digital right now and particularly for these businesses? Um, I'm not sure I would say technology. Uh, to, to me, technology is really just the tool. Yeah. Um, like having what tools do you have in your toolbox kind of thing. So uh, again, my my sort of message would be delivering that why, delivering that value. And that that's that's more important than is are you on Facebook, are you on LinkedIn, are you on Twitter? Because again, the, look, these these social networks are going to come and they're, they are going to go, right? Yeah. Uh, people are going to leave them, new ones are going to start up, you know, that sort of thing. But if you have the fundamental strategy as, you know, your digital strategy in terms of, okay, why, why am I in business? What What's in it for me? You know, if you can answer that that question of your customer, that then produces sort of the results that say, okay, well, I need to be on this channel. I need to use this tool. Um, I need to use this technology. Because um, it, it, honestly, I mean, I'm just you know thrilled about technology, but I think we get a little bit caught up in it. Um, that that being said, like build your, you have to sort of build your platform that that sort of grows and and think of it as as not something that you just put up there and leave it. Right, you've got to look at how am I adding value to my customer's journey throughout their life, right? If we get back into that 67%, how do, where, where, you know, where are those intersecting, intersecting points that I can, again, help deliver value to my customer so that they will purchase from me? And if you can do that um, through your website, through your social channels, um, you know, through your content and fundamentally back to your strategy, that's going to help your business. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And look, the, the best technology should be indistinguishable from the experience. And, uh, you know, no doubt that it's got its ability to improve efficiency and to accelerate, I guess, where we want to go uh, long term in, in our businesses and what we're hoping to help our patients along their primary healthcare journey to stay in good health for as long as yeah. possible. Um, but, you know, ultimately, it's going to be, you know, I guess how relevant we can be in, I guess, every part of their lives as opposed to just when we see them in person yeah exactly and and you can automate these processes too and that's you know you had your questions notwithstanding resources and and that's a huge part of you know the smaller community pharmacies is that they don't have a lot of resources but the really cool thing is that a lot of these things can be automated if you plan properly if you sort of plan in advance and if you know kind of who you're marketing to as well yeah yeah, and, and absolutely. And, you know, I guess that's one of the most fascinating things with technology is that when you understand what your purpose is and where the strategy is that, um, you know, it really can take you to the nth degree that you want to go to. And it's almost limitless in its capacity. Um, but, you know, like you said, it's, it's really about getting that message and strategy right uh, yeah. fun- fundamentally. Yeah, exactly. It's been great having you on, Doyle. And I know that our listeners have taken away a lot about why they need to, I guess, transition themselves if they haven't already got their head out of the sand and building their their digital platform and their digital pharmacies to, you know, best represent what they know best, which is what their customers want and uh, being able to enhance their experience, you know, not just when they see them, but everywhere um, to, I guess, you know, create that 21st century pharmacy model, which is not only sustainable, 
sustainable, uh, but one that's uh, obviously going to connect at a deeper level. So thank you very much. And uh, we look forward to following your journey and uh, having you back in the not too distant future. Well, thank you very much, Rob. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks, Doyle. Well, I think we can all agree after that chat that the world of digital can be quite confusing and can lead us to a delusion of what we need to be doing, but it can be simplified if we know why we're there and what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to offer our patients, which is something we do really well in the pharmacy, but we need to be able to do that online and in the digital spaces as well. And the author of The Digital Delusion has certainly cleared up a lot of that for us today. My three key learnings, well, the first one, just as a big, bold statement before I get into them, is move away from the single transaction. So don't think of digital as this is a way to get my patients to buy more stuff and to buy stuff now. It's not about just simply replicating what's in your catalogs, what's in the dump bins at the front of the store, and hoping that because it's online and because people can buy things so easily online that that's what it's all about. So that's just the key thing. But really the first key learnings I have is the digital leadership starts with you. You might not understand all the platforms as Doyle has provided us with a fantastic diagram which you can view in the show notes. But if you're able to, if you're able to understand the themes and what it can offer you, then it's something that you, you need to be able to get to the point where you can delegate, allocate resources, and plan to automate some of these things. It's not something that as the business owner, you need to find extra time in your week to be able to look after this, but you need to be directing how your business is going to look and how it's going to grow and I guess offer your patients a heightened experience or a completely different experience online to really add value to your in-store experience, you need to be in charge of that and no one else. The second key learning is be patient. Focus less on the sale as we've already spoken about because as Doyle pointed out, only 3% are ready to buy immediately. They're just not ready to put their money straight away into your pockets and through the registers as well. But 67%, as Doyle pointed out, will get there once the relationship is built. And the same thing works in the pharmacy as well. Yes, we've got patients that are going to come into the pharmacy with acute needs and we need to help them with those things as well. But often it's a relationship that's going to get them to come back the next time. And ultimately, it's about how you leave them feeling when they leave the store. So in the non-line sense, it's the same thing as well. If you're just about that individual transaction and you don't offer anything greater, then ultimately, as we're seeing in our in-store pharmacies, it ultimately comes down to price. And in digital, you can't afford to be competing on price because the biggest Gorillas, like our discounters, will always get the sale ahead of you because of their volume, their infrastructure, and their scalability in that sense. So you need to be doing everything that you do, especially in-store, online as well. And there's no quick fix. It just can't be looked at as, I'll have a Facebook page, I'll have a website, I'll have a Twitter account, and it's going to magically get people into the pharmacy. It needs to be part of that ecosystem that we spoke about as well. And that gives us a sustainable platform that can operate in the 24-7 retailer age. We spoke about that a lot with Brian Walker back in episode 53, 
that our customers, by very nature of who else they're doing business with, not just in pharmacy, but other retailers, do expect to see something of you online, whether it's from a research point of view and whether it's, as we're going to cover off in our third key learning, education, it's something you need to be providing, not just nine to five, seven days a week or just your normal opening hours. It needs to extend beyond that. And that's where we come to our third key learning of education first. The reason people are going to keep coming back to your digital platforms, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's your website, is because you're providing them with something helpful and something relevant. The same reasons why they would come into your pharmacy. If you're not very helpful and you're not giving them anything relevant, they won't come back to you. Same thing applies here as well. So we need to stop syndicating just our catalogs through our Facebook pages and our websites. We need to be thinking beyond that in that if our customers do land on our website, what are they looking for? And there are some great tools, as Doyle spoke about, we don't need to operate them all, but we need to understand them that allow us to be able to see what people are interested in looking at, and we can track those trends. And they can even become in-store promotions and conversations that help us learn more about what we need to be offering our customers in our business. So we just need to be looking at that and really always be trying to build that relationship and experience both online and offline. There's some great examples in episode 23, which will be in the show notes, and 34 from Jason Berwick-Lewis and Tim Reid of what helpful content might look like. Because realistically, it's not something that you have to artificially generate. You're being ultimately the most helpful healthcare professionals in your pharmacy already. It just needs to be put into a sense that you can give patient something they can share. So it might be instructions of how to utilize a blood glucometer or a blood pressure monitor. It might be just a common case that you're seeing at the moment. Maybe someone coming in asking you the same question over and over about how they can prevent cold and flu. So ultimately, it's really down to what's relevant to your pharmacy. And you know that better than anyone. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Transformation. In a moment, I'm going to get inside CBIT 2015 and discover all the latest business and technology trends and bring them served up to you next week. When we're talking about trends, we've got Anders Orman-Nilsson coming our way next week, which for those who attended APP 2015, he was rated as one of the best speakers of the conference. So if you haven't already listened to Anders, I know you're going to love it. And if you've listened to him already, it's going to go to a new level as we discuss the future and innovations developing and disrupting at that fantastic intersection of digital and analog. I know you're going to love it. Leave a comment in the show notes. There is always space for you at the bottom. I read and respond to everyone. And my guests like Doyle today, always happy to respond to your questions individually as well. Have a great week, everyone. And I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye for now.